0: G'day and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community And you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Thanks to those that have been booking in with me for the private one-on-one coaching. It's been very uplifting and it's been so great to help so many people in such a short space of time. If you do want to get some one-on-one coaching and some advice from me, you're just struggling a bit or you might want to get going or you might have a few issues in maintenance, come and have a chat to me. Uh, you can do that in private by going to the website www.thefastinghighway.com. Click on coaching, get help and book a time with me. All times you see will be in your local time zone and irrelevant charges there. That's www.thefastinghighway.com to book in for the private one-on-one coaching with me. Okay folks, let's get on with today's podcast. G'day, and this is episode 172. I'm delighted today to be joined by Sarah Wilbo, and Sarah is a 49-year-old writer and public servant who lives in Canberra, Australia with her husband and two primary school-aged children, and Sarah has an arts degree majoring in English literature, a law degree, and a master's in law, and Sarah's had a few trials and tribulations with her weight throughout her life and she's also known as the author of The Skinny Spell, a fiction story about a girl who looked into a mirror and made a choice, as you'll hear about in this podcast. But I won't spoil it any further. Here she is to tell her amazing story Is Sarah Wilbow. Oh, day, Sarah, and welcome to The Fasting Highway, and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hi, Graham. it's great to be here.
0: Great to have you here, Sarah, all the way there from Canberra in Australia. And uh, for our North American listeners, of course, Canberra is our our capital city here in Australia and uh, where our government's based there. And uh, we have a lot of public servants that uh, live and work in Canberra. So let's get into your story, Sarah, and for people around the world that may not know of you and talk about your backstory here and a bit of sort of things about your health and weight and that sort of thing. And what led you to intermittent fasting?
1: Yeah, well, like many people, weight has been an issue most of my life. I was a really healthy, active child, um, did sport. My mum cooked all our meals. We didn't have much junk food. We didn't have any soft drink or soda in the house. Um, But I always had a huge appetite. Um, And then once puberty hit and I became more sedentary, I gave up the sport because I didn't really enjoy it very much. And the hormones, it just sort of all started piling on um, and I just sort of accepted my fate as a short round woman like all the other women in my family. (laughs) I had a few efforts at weight loss over the years, Um, always ended in frustration and what I perceived to be my failure because I hate exercising, so I just thought weight loss would be impossible for me. Um, I had some success with Light and Easy, which is an Australian food delivery company. And when I was living alone in my 30s, that was quite convenient. I didn't have to worry about cooking for anyone else. So I used that service for quite a while and I lost maybe 20 kilos. But I was, again, I decided I'm going to exercise this time. So I was doing like an hour of cardio a day and found out that the light and easy sort of stopped working. I was doing the 1200 calorie plan, but over time it would stop working. So I'd reduce the amount of food that I was eating that they were sending me. And in the end I just started ordering the dinners and eating much less during the day. So I was having much less than 1200 calories plus exercising. So I did manage to lose some weight that way, but it always in my head, I was like, I'm not going to be able to sustain this. You know, if I ever want to have babies or live in a family situation, I just can't continue this and I can't keep taking my own food to events and things. So, that was like a temporary success. Um, but then I met my husband, we started nesting. I got pregnant, just all, all efforts at weight loss just went out the window. And I just enjoyed myself and went back to my volume eating, which I've always, always done, always been able to put away a lot of food. Um, and then in about twenty seventeen, I was at a family barbecue and I remember this really clearly. I don't know how the conversation started, but my brother, who's kind of on the pulse of new things, talked about this thing he'd heard about called intermittent fasting that was apparently big in Silicon Valley with all the tech dudes. And he explained it and how people only eat one meal a day. And my head exploded like, that's crazy. How could anyone do that? Um, but it planted a seed. And then I heard about Michael Mosley's documentary 5-2, which I think I watched on Australian TV, got his book. I read that and it was, I was really interested in the science in it, but my memory of it, was it it was focused more on longevity and the benefits of fasting for that? I, I don't remember it going into the effects of insulin or anything like that. Um. Anyway, I tried 5-2 and I tried eighteen six because I heard of that as well. You know, there's media articles every now and then about that. But I never knew about clean fasting and I never knew about insulin. And so it never worked. I would sort of struggle along until 11am, have my morning coffee with milk and then be starving and then try and calorie restrict for the rest of the day. So it was just like any other diet. I just couldn't sustain it. And then randomly, so then the pandemic happened, like a lot of people, I just ate my feelings, (laughs) lots of chips and chocolate Um, and just blew up and just felt awful Um, But I I walk my dogs every day and we were allowed to walk the dogs when we were in lockdown Um, and I listened to podcasts and I just randomly came across a podcast with Cynthia Thurlow who was talking about her TED talk about intermittent fasting for women and so as soon as I got home I pulled up YouTube and I watched that and I was like yeah I should give this another go and in the podcast she'd been asked about whether to eat anything in the or drink anything in the fasting window. And I remember her saying, well, it depends what you want to achieve. And so I thought, all right, I'm only going to have black coffee. I'm not going to have any milk or anything. And so the very next day, which was the 12th of September 2021, I started clean fasting and then through my, to, to deal with the moments of hunger. While I was adjusting, I started watching YouTube videos to sort of distract me from my hunger, which wasn't too bad, actually. Um, and I quickly discovered Jason Fung and the obesity code. So I ordered that and read it really quickly. And just, it was like the penny dropped. I was like, oh my God, everything I've been told my whole life is wrong. It's all about insulin. It's all about, um, you know, giving my body a rest from digestion and lowering that insulin. And I was so angry. Like I just was so angry that all this, all these efforts were based on the wrong information. Anyway, I quickly through you know, further research, discovered Jen Stevens and her intermittent fasting podcast series, which I just loved. And every time I walked to the dogs, I'd listen to that. And then I heard your episode. And I was so excited because it was a fellow Australian. I was like, yeah, this is so cool. And then your story was amazing, like 60 kilos. And so then I started following you and your Facebook group. And that's why I'm here.
0: Fabulous. That's fantastic. And that's so good. Like it's coming up to what, 18 months, I guess now, since you started there 12th of September, 2001. So just for our listeners there, maybe just go through the stats now, just sort of where you were at with your weight when you started and where you're at now some 18 months later.
1: Absolutely. So I'm five foot two, 160 centimetres. And when I started in September 2021, I was 106.5 kilos, which for my height was obese class three. I had a BMI of 41, I think. Um, Yeah. And I had, you know, some health conditions. Fortunately, I've been really healthy my whole life, but it was starting to catch up with me. Um, I'm 49 years old now, so I was super conscious that, you know, menopause is looming and everyone gains weight then. And so I was just really worried and wanted to get in shape before I turned 50. That was kind of a goal. Um, so in that 18 months I've managed, well, my lowest weight was 71 kilos, which is about 156 pounds. And I achieved that in nine months. Um and then the second half of the journey for me, so when I heard about fasting, I was like, this is amazing. I can eat whatever I want and I can still lose weight because I just have to watch the clock. So I quickly lost 35 kilos in, or 66 pounds in nine months. But then suddenly there was, you know, I was still eating sugary stuff, and it, it made me hungry. So the fasting, over time I became a bit more relaxed, a bit less vigilant. There was a bit of window creep. was christmas um then there was easter a lot of chocolate and then it just became harder and harder to sort of have good days um and over the the next nine months well a bit less than nine months i actually regained about 15 kilos um because i kind of lost control i sort of lost that sort of initial spark of excitement and like the novelty kind of wore off And it became an everyday thing. You've got to think about, you know, what's my fasting window today? And it became less easy. And I started to wonder why, why is it harder now? Because it was so easy at the beginning. Um, And I remember in your book, it really resonated with me how you talked about, you're going to have to deal with the timing of when you eat, but also what you eat. And I know you've talked about being a sugar addict and over the last few months, to realize i think i am too like i really when i eat something sugary and sweet i just can't stop myself like i can't have one biscuit i will have the whole pack of biscuits Mm -hmm. and so the last few months i've really just had to get honest um with myself about what i'm eating um and have really focused on cutting out the sugar so i regained 15 kilos but i've lost 10 of those again since i've decided okay I really need to focus on carbohydrates now try and reduce them as much as I can. I still have some fruit. I still have veggies. I do have stretches where I just eat meat and eggs and dairy um, only for a few days at a stretch. It really helps with the hunger. And that I found has been the second essential key for me. Everyone's different. Everyone has different dietary responses to things. But for me, sort of being honest about the sugar effect on me and my appetite and my cravings has just been a game changer. So, so my, I was looking today at the I've been tracking my weight loss in an app and the shape of it is a bit like, um, you know, those aerial skiers that they go down and then they go up and then they go down again. So that's what my sort of trajectory looks like. It certainly hasn't been linear.
0: Yeah. Yeah, as it isn't. You know, no two days are the same, of course. And, you know, we all have different struggles that we have with intermittent fasting. And even five years into it, I'm still struggling some days, you know. And some days you think, man, am I going to make it to my window or what? But there's a lot of things we learn along the way. And you sort of found out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And you're finding now that that sugar is a problem for you and you're trying to work on that. So, we're all an experiment of one, as they say, Sarah. But when you first came to fasting, you mentioned the five and two stuff and you were doing that sort of milk in your coffee in the mornings and that sort of thing. And once you got hold of the clean fast message, did you notice a big difference between the two, between having that sort of milk in your coffee and not?
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, So having the milk in my coffee, I was always, you know, I'd finish that at work at maybe 9.30 and then I was just, the the time from 9.30 to 11 just seemed interminable. Like (laughs) I just need to eat my lunch. But now I can go, like I do alternate day fasting now at the moment um, and I can go 42 hours and, you know, there'll be a few tummy grumbles, but it's absolutely doable. It's just astonishing. It feels like a superpower, to be honest. I was just like, how can, how can I get, through these hours without being hungry and it's all because I'm clean fasting and it's just the eating urge is just switched off and then once I start eating that's I find it actually harder on the the days that I'm eating especially before I started reducing carbs now it's a lot easier to eat and then stop and then have dinner on the up days um yeah but the clean fasting has been absolutely critical
0: yeah, 100%. I think that's the foundation, isn't it? And then yeah. after that, we just got to work on our eating window. And I like to say, oh, I eat what makes me feel my greatest, not what my mind wants. Because eating what my mind wants, that got me into a lot of trouble, Sarah. And, uh, you know, sort of trying to correct that. But let's talk about, I mean, that's a huge amount of weight to be carrying on a five foot two frame. That sort of top weight you were talking about there back at 106 kilos or around 230 pounds. And it's you know, it can be soul destroying, carrying a lot of weight, can't it? You know, and how we think about ourselves and how we perceive ourselves and what we can do and what we can't do. So there's so many benefits that we'll get into. But with the sort of eating window, when you first started, when you came into intermittent fasting after doing that sort of five and two, once you discovered IF, what was your protocol then?
1: So I started with 16.8 and the clean fast. So I started really sort of, I thought I'm just gonna ease in. At that stage, I didn't know about alternate day fasting. I hadn't learned that for quite a while. So I did 16.8 probably for two months. Um actually no, I think I did that for maybe one month and then and I lost a bit of weight quite quickly, but then the weight loss stalled and I was feeling really well. So then I stretched it out to one meal a day fairly quickly. Um, and then I did one meal a day probably for the next few months. And then during that time I heard about alternate day fasting and after a few months of one meal a day for me, remember I was eating sugar and stuff, my weight loss stalled again. So that's when I tried alternate day fasting. So probably the first half of that nine months I did 16, eight and then one meal a day. And then the second half of that, I did ADF.
0: Okay, great. We'll just get into that sort of, you know, your OMAD that you were doing for the first half of that sort of period of time. How did that look? Was that more like a restaurant style where you'd open with a sort of opener, or a bit of an entree, so to speak, and then go into your main and a dessert if you wanted to? How did that roll with that? What were you doing?
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, not that sort of structured. So I'd often sort of snack on nuts or cheese or something while I was cooking dinner for the family and then sit down and have dinner with the family. And then sometimes I'd have dessert and sometimes not. Um, Then sometimes I would just sort of go through until I was sitting down at the plate and eating, Um, because, as I've said, once I start eating, that's it's really hard for me to stop. So it's almost easier for me to not do the restaurant style and just sit down and just go and have my meal and get full and then stop. Um, So that's more what I do now. But back then I was still sort of experimenting with different ways. And so I did do a bit of sort of opening my window with a bit of a snack um, and then having a meal. But, yeah, I've now kind of settled on just meals rather than eating windows. I kind of focus on meals. So I'm either eating a meal or I'm fasting.
0: Yeah. And as a person that had a a huge appetite, when you came into intermittent fasting, we talk about that appetite correction where we get to that point in our eating window, it's almost deafening that sigh where we just feel like we're sort of satisfied and we're full. Did you get to that point on your journey at some stage?
1: I wish I could say yes, Graham. (laughs) I still struggle to stop when I feel those signals. Like my eyes are bigger than my tummy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm getting better at it. And I do now I'm filling up on really satiating foods. So it's much easier for me to stop, but I also am fighting. Even now I fight the urge to overeat, to compensate for the fast that's coming. And I have to think, no, the the food you're going to feed yourself is already on your body. So you don't have to eat more than what's on your plate. But things I have done is I've stopped eating my kids leftovers. Um, I've stopped going back for seconds. Most nights, if i have dessert it's like a natural yogurt with berries like i've quit the ice cream but i still um that mythical sort of point of satisfaction that people talk about the appetite correction it's not that familiar to me i have to be honest
0: <laughs> yeah oh, it's still a work in progress i mean you know sort of 18 months in you're still you know progressing through and getting to that stage where you settle into a long-term lifestyle i guess but Let's also talk now about you know the sort of NSVs, the non-scale victories and the health benefits that we talk about in the intermittent fasting community. And a lot of people have different ones. What are some of the ones that came for you there?
1: Uh, I've got a long list. Um, well, medically, I've been an asthmatic most of my life, um, and it seems to have gone into remission. I haven't needed any asthma medication. I haven't had any asthma flare-ups for at least a year which is amazing um i also when i turned 40 just out of the blue started getting dizzy spells like really bad vertigo and it was quite alarming and i went to specialists and i had everything sinister ruled out um, and no one could explain it. And then I went to a physiotherapist who thought it must be from having a weak core and from carrying so much weight and it referring into my neck and the signals going to my brain. And instead of triggering a pain response, they're triggering a, a dizziness response. And so I used to get physio every six weeks to try and control those symptoms. And it was quite um, debilitating. And some, you know, I'd, sometimes the episodes would last a week or up to three weeks. And it was hard to drive. It was hard to work that has all completely gone unbelievably like I, it's just that alone is enough to keep me fasting for the rest of my life. Um, I also feel a great sense of um, confidence about aging and understanding the, pro- the protective benefits potentially of autophagy in terms of things like dementia and Parkinson's disease. So I feel much sort of um, more confident that I'll have a healthier older age. I also have a general sense of well-being just my mood is so much more stable and chirpy um I feel less angry to, about myself being a failure at trying to you know lose weight like I'm in every other respect my life is quite successful and I have a great job and um great qualifications and quite an intelligent person but I just couldn't work out this one problem and so it's just made me feel oh, it wasn't me <laughs> it was what I was being told Um, so that's been sort of a weight off my shoulders, so to speak. Um, and also the sense of food freedom that I'm just not controlled by food anymore that I have, I can sort of exert some control over when I eat and what I eat. I'm not driven by those sugar cravings, which is just so liberating. It's amazing. Um, my skin's improved. I didn't really have any skin tags, but, you know, my skin is better than it's ever been. Um, another non-scale victory is the time and money I'm saving. I used to be one of those people who is too rushed in the morning to make my lunch. So I would go and buy something from the local cafe and get a big coffee as well. So I was probably spending close to twenty dollars a day on food just for i while I'm, while I was at work. So that's a big saving. Um, and probably the last non-scale victory is my fasting journey inspired me to write a novel. <laughs> so that was unexpected. <laughs>
0: Yeah, fantastic. We'll get into that in a bit. and We heard in the intro there that you're an author of a book called The Skinny Spell, and we're going to delve into that. But let's also talk about the differences between intermittent fasting and diets, right? I mean, you've obviously done a lot of diets in your life and that sort of thing and tried different ways to lose weight. What was it that struck you about intermittent fasting that was so different compared to everything else that you've done? And when was the convincing argument for you? How far in were you then?
1: Um, almost straight away, just the freedom of not worrying about calories. Like when I first started fasting, I was writing down what I was eating and sort of calculating what the calories might be. And when I was a kid I or a teenager, I used to go in the, into the newsagent and buy, there used to be this book you could get called The Calorie King Calorie Counter. <laughs> um, and I used to try to track what I was eating back then. And so I have sort of had this sort of calories in, calories out mentality drilled into me. And so when I started fasting at first, I was kind of like thinking, "Oh, how many calories am I eating? And is it enough or is it too much? But then after a few weeks, I was like, it doesn't matter. Just I can eat whatever I want. I'm just well, as we've discussed, what makes me feel good? Um, So not weighing anything, not measuring anything, not counting calories, not counting macros. And I love that fasting is so flexible, no matter what your diet is, whether you're carnivore, vegetarian, omnivore, FODMAP, You know celiac whatever everyone can fast pretty much um so just the flexibility of it was what really distinguished it to for me from from dieting and what i really loved is you know when you read a dieting book they give you like a a plan to follow like meals to cook and what to buy i always hated that it was so sort of rigid and um it was really hard to live life and you know accept an invitation to dinner or go to a party or you know, just eat and cook with it, family with kids who have particular likes. And with fasting, I can completely integrate what I'm eating with everyone else, um, which is what I really loved about it.
0: Yeah, you know, you started this during a lockdown period here in Australia. And, you know, losing that sort of 66 pounds in nine months that you have, you know, it's just crazy amount of weight in that short space of time. And anyone that's ever done that knows what it's like. And when you see people and the way they react to you and all that, so you obviously working in a job that you do there in Canberra, coming out of lockdown, you pop down and they're just going, who are you? Who's, that <laughs> you? Who's that you girl in our office? Yeah. Well, I
1: actually changed jobs sort of midway through the pandemic. Um, and so the people I was working with when I went back to the office hadn't seen me before, so I didn't get too much of that. But then I actually went back to my old job, and then, yeah, it was funny seeing people look at me like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> And then I could see them trying to control themselves because it's the polite thing to not talk about how someone looks. Um, So I'd have a few people sidle up to me and say, I hope it's okay if I say that you look amazing. (laughs) And I'd always say, yes, please tell me.
0: Yeah, you do look amazing. I've got to say, and it always strikes me when I see people and they come onto the screen when I interview them, how bright their skin is and the brightness of their eyes and the happiness that's pouring out of them. And you have all that and that vitality. And you mentioned there that you're 49 and, Fair dinkum, as we say here in Australia, I thought you were a woman in her early 30s when you first oh, came on the screen. So that sort of took you. me back where you said that you're 49. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it because it's certainly doing great things for you. But let's talk about things like exercise because I know people like to know that and sort of Canberra and Lake Burley Griffin, is it called there? You, people go for walks and that sort of thing. You might run into our former prime minister, Johnny Howard, strolling around. But is exercise a big thing for you?
1: No, it's one of my goals. It's one of my next, the next thing I want to focus on is starting weight, like weight bearing exercises. So apart from that period in my early thirties where I was living alone and doing light and easy and going to the gym and doing cardio for an hour a day, that was this brief window in my life where I did exercise. Um, But I do now walk my dogs every day. Um, Unfortunately, they're hounds that like to sniff things. So it's not really a cardio walkout because we'll, you know, walk 10 meters and then stop for five minutes while they smell everything. <laughs> um, but I live in quite a hilly place. So I take them up and down hills and I do that every day for at least half an hour, almost days. My husband does it too. Um, and that's, and then at lunchtime, like today, for example, I work very close to Parliament House. So I, When I can, I put on some sneakers at lunchtime and I go and I walk around the gardens of Parliament House. There's a lovely track around there that takes about 40 minutes. It's um, yeah, just really nice to sort of clear the clear the head in the middle of the day. So gentle walking is literally all I do. Um, But as I said, I'm conscious of um, muscle density and bone density. Um, or muscle loss, I should say, as I go through menopause in the next few years. So I am keen to start to get some free weights and sort of learn how to lift them and try and keep what I've got. Um, yeah, but that's, I'm just finding time. It's my big excuse. I don't have time to exercise. I really am not the kind of person who wants to do that first thing in the morning. And I'm kind of still grappling with the fact that I might have to just suck it up and do it first thing in the morning. Um, but yeah, that's a journey I'm still on.
0: Yeah, it's just finding that time, isn't it, when you're a busy person. And, you know, I think sometimes we just got to make time for ourselves. And, you know, I like to walk most mornings, but I'm, I'm lucky. I work in a flexible job. I'm able to do that. But I also started promenading in the evenings, what I call promenading in that short stroll after I've had my eating window. And I felt that's really helped, you know, kept that insulin spike from our evening meals. And that's something that I introduced in my maintenance sort of about three months ago, and it's been great been fantastic and that might be just going out and mowing the lawns or washing the car you know we're in australian summer here so the weather's good just uh, doing some weeding or something you know i used to have this thing we live on an acreage property so my wife and i we have 20 weeds a day that's our mantra and we walk around and we just pull out 20 weeds a day and it sort of keeps things you know on an even keel but you know losing that amount of weight I mean, mentally as well, that's huge and how you think about yourself and how you sort of look at that image in the mirror. And I know it took me quite a long time after I lost the sort of 132 pounds or 60 kilos to accept what I was seeing and to believe it and to believe that it was sustainable. And it was just that sort of period from when you lose the weight and then you go into that maintenance phase. And it's a real challenge. Sometimes it's like an identity crisis almost. And, you, and sometimes you have things like body dysmorphia. You'll go into a store and you'll pick up clothes that are way too big for you because you're so used to that. But I can't imagine what it's been like for you living in Canberra, a great city, just being able to go out and do clothes shopping and and just go nuts. Being fun.
1: It's been very fun. I've bought way too many clothes. Um, yeah, it just. So I think Australian sizes are different from US sizes, but for us, like the small size is size eight. And I'm fitting into things, tops in that size, or I'm picking up the small from the rack when I go shopping. And I still, every time I put put them on and they fit, I kind of have to think, oh my God, it's, it's actually unbelievable. So I think that'll take a few years for my head to kind of settle. And I still haven't thrown away all my other my old clothes because I'm just... I still can't quite believe that I've cracked it, you know, like over time, every day it's getting easier to accept. Um, And even when I was sort of lost that initial amount of weight and then regained a bit, I didn't panic. Like I kind of thought, okay, I know what to do. I just need to analyze why I'm so hungry. What am I doing wrong? Um, And so I I sort of feel inside, like genuinely feel like I won't ever need to wear a size 22 again, Um, but I still have them in a box in a spare room. (laughs)
0: okay well guess what you're doing after this podcast Sarah? <laughs> you're going to get that box you're going to put it out and then tomorrow or whenever you've got time take it down to the sellies or, or the vinnies as we call them here in australia yeah the charity shops and get them out of the house because it's the best thing you'll ever do i'll tell you because when i was losing the weight like that every time my clothes were getting too big on me i was taking it straight down to charity shop you know there's probably some homeless people wearing very nice suits out there Um, You know that I sort of donated and they were no use to me anymore and I just didn't want them coming back and I think once you get to that one size in your wardrobe it's so great and you can go season to season and go in and that's what I love about it and that's one of the true things I do love about intermittent fasting in my maintenance phase how I'm still wearing the same clothes that I had three or four years ago and I never had that in my life I was always having to go and buy you clothes as I was getting bigger so yeah it is a very freeing thing but We're going to talk about your author journey now because that's really interesting and I'm excited to hear about this. So tell me how it all began and why you wrote the book and tell us what the book's about, what it's called, how people can get it and just the thematic behind it.
1: Yeah, thanks. So as I've talked about, I was so frustrated about being fat for my whole life and I used to just desperately wish I could just unzip this fat body and just be a healthy weight and it was so frustrating and I just it just felt impossible like I've said because I I just hate exercising and I thought you needed to exercise to lose weight and so I had this idea of a a woman who gets a magic mirror and it's a portal to another world where she can just walk through this mirror and her life is exactly the same except she has a perfect body Um, and I thought oh I should write a book about that one day Um, and so, and I've never written a book before. Um, you know, I I write professionally in my job, but not fiction. Um, but I've always, you know, harboured secret fantasies about being a novelist. It'd be so nice to not have to work for someone else and just, you know, write these books and make lots of money. That hasn't happened. And I don't think it will, but I do love writing. Like I just genuinely enjoy sitting down with words and crafting a story. So, um, COVID happened. And I had a bit more time because, you know, there weren't any kids' birthdays, birthday parties and I couldn't, you know, we couldn't do so much. So, so I was at home a lot and I thought, I'm going to try and write that story. Um, so I sort of worked out the plot and I wrote the first draft. And actually, I wrote the first draft before I found out about intermittent fasting. And in the first draft, so the, the main character is given this magic mirror and she can go through it to this other world where she has a skinny body. But she can and she can go back to her old life where she's in her fat body and she can do that three times and decide which side of the mirror she wants to stay on. Um, And then once she's gone through three times, that's it. The portal closes. She has to stay where she's left. And so at first, she's like, oh, of course, I'm going to choose a skinny body. Like, duh. Um, But because it's fiction, there has to be complications. So in her skinny world, her life looks the same. But there are some significant differences in some of the relationships around her, which makes her choice a bit less straightforward. So I wrote this story um, before I started fasting. And at the end of the story, um the woman comes to the conclusion that she should just accept herself in her fat body and learn to love herself and just try and be healthy and eat less and move more and it just didn't feel right to me like I finished the draft and I just thought it just doesn't just doesn't feel how I really feel. Like I still had this sort of hope that someday I would discover how to lose weight. And I, it was just like this sixth sense that I'm going to crack this problem. So I put the draft away. And then, as I said, in September 21, discovered intermittent fasting, had this amazing success really quickly, pulled out the draft and thought, I'm going to put fasting in this story. She's going to discover fasting and that's going to be the resolution of this story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, so that's the the journey uh, without any spoilers. Um she tries these different lives and I'm not going to say which one she chooses in the end, but um along the way, like it kind of recounts her life as a character of sort of being fat and trying not to be. Um and along the way she learns about insulin and intermittent fasting.
0: Wow, sounds sensational. And where can people get the book, Sarah?
1: Um, well, it's independently published by moi, which has been quite an interesting learning experience, but it's available worldwide through all booksellers. So on Amazon is probably the easiest place to go and find it, um, but also available in Barnes and & Noble and in Australia in places like Booktopia. So you just type in my name, Sarah Wilbow, and the Skinny Spell, and it should come up on a Google search for people.
0: Let's talk about that journey with the self-publishing and that, because that's a journey in itself, isn't it? Like, you know, it's all right to think about, I'm going to write a book, but actually sitting down and doing it and then getting it out and pushing that publish button, that's an amazing feeling, isn't it?
1: yeah um so i actually engaged a company to help me because i'm so time poor and there's it's it's so easy to publish these days like you can do it yourself on amazon they have templates and the kindle direct publishing i know lots of people do it that way um i was trying to appeal to a commercial women's fiction market and i wanted to have a really great cover in that style and i'm not a graphic designer um, so I did a quick Google search and there are businesses that help you do this. They have graphic designers and they can set you up on, on, um, Amazon and all the other aggregators of booksellers and get the ISBN for you and everything costs a little bit of money, but I, you know, I thought oh, it's probably worth the investment cause it'll save me so much hassle. Um, so I went that route and they did everything for me, um, in terms of preparing the book for printing Um, but once it's published promoting it is squarely down to me (laughs) so that's been the hardest thing I think just um, you know I've you know obviously told all my family and friends and some work colleagues not all of them because You know, talking about weight and fasting is a bit of a sensitive topic for a lot of people. Um, So I've tried to be careful how I talk about it. Um, But yeah, I've just I've put it out there. I'm telling people about it when it seems appropriate and we'll see how it goes. I have other ideas for other stories. So it's kind of my retirement plan Um, when I finish working in maybe another 10 years. (laughs)
0: And I think books really open up our eyes, especially there's some great books on fasting out there, as you know, with Jen Stevens and her Delay Don't Deny and Fast Feast Repeat and, you know, Dr. Fung's Obesity Code. And I always say to people, look, when it comes to information, if you want to know about the science, go and get the Obesity Code. Maybe get the Audible version because the published version, the paperback is very heavy on the science and a lot of people don't understand it when they read it. But when you hear it, it's very different, and you absorb the information in a different way. And then you have Jen's sort of background of herself being through journeys like you and I. So that's something that we can resonate with for a start. And she put a great book out called "Delay, Don't Deny" back in two thousand and sixteen, where I think a lot of us started. And then she followed that up with "Fast, Feast, Repeat." And Jen's a very inspiring member of the fasting community, and she's a great friend of mine. So. Yeah, there's a lot of information out there, but what about support networks? I mean, obviously your family and your loving husband and your children, they must be blown away by this transformation. I know my wife was just like, wow, you know, I interviewed my wife in the first episode of this podcast about what it's like to see that and live with an intimate faster. And do you find that you get really great support from your family?
1: Yeah. So the first time I talked to my parents about it, I think they'd been away on a holiday and they came over to my house and I was probably about three months in and I'd probably lost about 10 kilos. And they were like, wow, what have you done? You look amazing. And I said to my mum, I haven't eaten for a whole day. And she looked at me like, oh, like, Sarah, that's dangerous. (laughs) Um, And I said, no, no, it's okay. I'll explain it to you. And they were literally only at my house for 45 minutes, and I just blurted out everything that I'd learned in that time. And the ver- that very night, my dad started fasting, and he subsequently lost 20 kilos in his – late 70s like he was just immediately hooked um so they've been super supportive and they tell all their friends about my experience about my dad's experience about they've got a spare copy of the obesity code that they lend out to their friends my my close family are very like my husband just asks me every morning are you eating today (laughs) If if it's his turn to cook um yeah so we just cook less dinner
0: Yeah, fantastic. So you got that support around you and a big shout out to your mum and dad there and particularly to your dad. Super proud of you, mate. That's a fantastic effort. And you better come on the podcast because I'd love to have you and describe your experiences. And I think when you've got family around you, because they see your results and they see how great you look and they think to themselves, wow, was there anything you missed at all about when you went into intermittent fasting to what you were doing before? I'd imagine you're a very vibrant person. You're quite a social person. That's something I missed when I first started. Was there anything you missed?
1: To be honest, I don't. I don't miss eating breakfast. I'm happy to go to lunch with people and just drink my mineral water or have a black coffee. Um, And because I'm alternate day fasting, every second day I do have lunch. So often... It'll happen that I have lunch with people on an eating day. Um, So it really hasn't affected my lifestyle at all, really. It's so flexible. And if a special event happens on a day when I was expecting to be fasting, I just eat. And I just pick it up the next day and just go back to my normal routine. Um, yeah, but back to the point about support, I did also want to say I've found great support in the Facebook group and in Jen Stevens' community um, and just listening to other people's stories on podcasts like this. Um, In the early days, if I was struggling with hunger, I just take myself off for a walk and listen to someone else's journey and just found that so, so helpful. Um, And I was just so grateful for everyone who shared their stories. Um, So that was part of the reason why I wanted to do the same. Um, Yeah, so that sort of sense of community and knowing that I'm one of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in the world who are understanding that our bodies don't need to be fed every two hours um, and that you actually feel really, really good if you just take a break and just let the body focus on doing other things instead of digesting your food.
0: Yeah. What about your doctors? Are they on board at all? Have you had any tests done in the last sort of year? And what's your doctor sort of thinking about it all?
1: Um, so I went to my doctor fairly early on and said, I've been intermittent fasting for a few months now and I've lost about, I think by then I'd lost maybe 15 kilos and it's a GP I've been seeing for many years. And she was like, Oh, that's great. My sister lost a lot of weight doing intermittent fasting. So she was on board straight away, which was great. Um, I got some blood tests done and, um, I don't I don't know what it's like in other countries, but here in Australia, if you get a blood test done and you don't hear anything, that means they didn't find anything worth telling you about. (laughs) And I didn't hear anything. So I assume everything was fine. Um, I guess I'm due to go back in the next few months. So it'll be interesting to see my doctor's reaction, because I suspect when she heard me evangelizing about um, weight loss, because she did say when I talked about fasting with her, she said, well, it works for some people, but not everyone. Um. And I just detected a a sort of hesitation in her voice that she thought maybe I would just be the typical um, person who loses weight and then regains it and a bit more. So I'm going back to see her in a few weeks and it's going to be fun to let her see that actually I'm exactly where where I'm less than.
0: I think the medical community is getting into it, but it's still not mainstream, particularly here in Australia. I mean, we don't hear a lot about it, do we, really?
1: No, although I did pop into my doctor's surgery maybe six months ago maybe a bit longer for a different maybe while well, i was taking a child or something and i noticed they had a copy of the obesity code on the bookshelf in the reception and i got so excited i, I think i took a photo <laughs> i was like this is great because i think i had taken a copy of that in when i saw my doctor and said have you read this because it's saying that you know it let's move more isn't the answer So, yeah, it's going to be, I think over time, I think there will be more acceptance, especially as doctors themselves do intermittent fasting for themselves. Um, And I've noticed a lot more on Twitter. I follow a few on Twitter who have had amazing weight loss success after ignoring that old food pyramid and, you know, um, really reading the science and understanding about insulin. So I have hope that we'll get there, but Just hard not to be cynical about all the vested interests in the diet industry and the food industry.
0: You know, we're an experimental one, aren't we, Sarah? That's what we really are.
1: Absolutely. And I feel so much better doing it this way that I don't care what the science says, quite frankly. And I'm usually a very compliant patient. I'll usually, you know, if the doctor tells me to take something, I'll take it. But now I'm going to pause and think, well, actually, how does it make me feel? Because this. As I've said, my mood, my energy, I just feel incredible. And it's because I eat less. That's all I've done. I've cut out a bit of sugar as well. Um, I have very moderate exercise, but I feel amazing. So you can't tell me that it's bad for my health. I just don't believe it.
0: No. And you sort of talked about your eating window when you first started, you were sort of eating all the things and that sort of thing. And over the last 18 months, do you feel that that's changing, that you're sort of gravitating to that high-quality food now?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I was never really – I didn't really eat a lot of junk food. I did eat – well, I didn't go to McDonald's or anything like that. Um, But I did have, you know, a family-sized block of chocolate every now and then, like three times a week. (laughs) or potato chips. Um, So that was my junk food. Snacking was a big problem, I guess. So I've cut out all snacking pretty much, Um, but I always had home-cooked meals. But now the home-cooked meals I'm doing, uh, I'm not really eating the rice. I'm not eating the pasta. Um, I'm not eating the potatoes. Um, I'm still cooking those things for my family, but I'm just filling up on the meat and the sugar-free sauce that I cook the meat in um, and veggies um and that's absolutely enough and everything i'm eating i know exactly what's in it um even i've even started look because i used to buy with you know small kids in a busy life working full time i used to buy a lot of those jars of sauce that you just slurp on the chicken and the pasta and i look at labels now and it just stuns me sugar is in every single one of them like it's just often the very first ingredient um so it has inspired me to do a lot more sauces from scratch so i follow a few or I just Google recipes until I find one that has no sugar, um, and it's so easy. There are so many recipes, not even on diet websites. Like the one I've cooked for tonight is like a like a Lebanese chicken sort of. Um, shawarma thing and it's literally just chicken marinated in a whole bunch of spices with some lemon juice and olive oil and you know there's no carbs in that and it smelled amazing when I put it in the fridge this morning and I just can't wait to go home and cook it um and I'm going to have that with a side of yogurt and lemon juice and it's going to be a really satisfying filling healthy meal with not an ounce of sugar in it and I'm going to love it so it's just not only am I enjoying the fasting window, but I'm enjoying my meals like they've become a bit of a production. I have time to think about them. I have time like I enjoy the process of being creative with, you know, people say this is a restrictive way of eating, but it's not. It's like a whole new world of opportunities and um, options have, has opened up to me um, and I'm just loving it.
0: Have you found your shopping's changed a bit for the family as well? And so they're eating more healthily, healthier as well by byproduct?
1: Uh, yes and no. So my kids are 10 and 11 and still have a preference for a few processed things. Um, but we've pretty much stopped eating breakfast cereal, for example. I cook them an egg for, for their breakfast or they have a piece of toast with butter. I I don't use margarine. I use real the real butter. Um, and I talk to them about sugar and I try to give them the information and they have I have noticed them kind of hesitating and, you know, um, not having as many as they previously might have of something. Um, and I'm just trying to lead by example and not sort of be too preachy about it. And I figure, you know, they'll get to a point where they'll understand the value of making healthy choices. As I said, we don't have takeaway of fast food too often. Um, if we do have takeaway, we try to, you know, make it more healthy, recognizable ingredients, for example. So yeah, they're, they're sort of conscious of it, but I also don't want to have them sort of hung up on dietary stuff at their age. Um, yeah. So I, I certainly shop around the perimeter. I do dug in duck into the aisles for a few lunchbox items (laughs) but um, have, stopped buying all those pre-prepared sauces and things. So I buy herbs and spices and things like that.
0: Yeah. Hey, you just got to let kids be kids, you know, and, Um, you know, without sort of going through it all with them. And as you said, they'll find out and they'll see your example and your husband's example and your grandfather's example. And they'll say, you know, I don't want to be like them. I just want to eat more healthier. And that's what they'll do. And I think we're really seeing that. And I see the wheel turning, you know, like it's almost like, The number of people that are doing intermittent fasting now, it's almost like we're going back to what our ancestors did, Sarah. Food was scarce, right? So there wasn't much food around. So it was either a feast or a famine for them. And I think that's what we're going to now. And intermittent fasts are just making food scarce. And I say that to people. All I do is make food scarce during the day instead Mm. of veil. everywhere, isn't it? We go down the street. You see it on every street corner now in Australia. Fast food chains opening up every single day here. And you think to yourself, man, when is this ever going to end? Because everywhere you go now, in every city in Australia, food is everywhere. And it's really hard for people out there to not indulge in it because there's so much variety. And that's all intermittent fasting is. It's making food scarce, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I walked into my office last Monday and someone had put a big bowl of Easter eggs exactly on the pathway to where I go to my office and had a big sign, Happy Easter. And I was just grabbing my head like, no, we don't need this. Why is our workplace so full of junk food everywhere I turn? There's charity chocolates or there's these free Easter eggs or there's someone near me has a cupboard full of um, chips and snack foods. And i just don't understand we just don't need to be constantly eating it's just really frustrating and so i just try to put my blinkers on and just walk past it and ignore it but yeah it's everywhere it's just everywhere you look
0: yeah well i think we are going back to our caveman ancestors and the way we look at food and i certainly feel like that and i sort Mm. of probably eat a bit like that too really and i do a bit of carnivore the carnivore really makes me feel good it's not something I want to do permanently, but I certainly like doing short spurts of it. You know, I'm a big steak lover. I, I love seafood, and we're lucky here in Western Australia and that we have an abundance of seafood here. And I've got plenty of mates with boats that have always given me crayfish and fresh fish. So that's really great. And so it's affordable as well. But Sarah, I can't tell you how great it's been to have you on the podcast here. And really interesting to catch up with you in another six to 12 months to see where you're at. And good luck with the book, The Skinny Spell, that people can get on Amazon there in your local jurisdiction. And I'd really suggest you give it a read. And I think we're gonna hear a lot more from Sarah Wilbow over the years with some more novels as a follow-up. So thank you for joining me here on the Fasting Highway.
1: Thank you so much, Graham. It's been heaps of fun.
0: Okay, take care, bye. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. What a wonderful story. Absolutely amazing, and thank you for sharing all that wisdom and words of advice. Really resonated with me a lot of your story. Good luck with your book, The Skinny Spell, and I'm sure it's going to do well. So anybody interested in Sarah's uh, fiction book there, The Skinny Spell, uh, you can find that in all good bookstores. Okay, folks, also as mentioned now, uh, if you do want to get some support with your intermittent fasting journey, a couple of ways to do that. One, you can join the Fasting Highway Facebook group. We've got some nearly 9,000 members there from all over the world. I'm sure to help you and answer any questions or queries that you may have. If you're looking to get some one-on-one help and Facebook and Instagram really isn't your thing, uh, you can do that by going to the website, www.thefastinghighway, and you can book a one-on-one private coaching session with me. Okay, folks, until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.